We're finishing up our upgrade series. This has been a three-week series in the book of Colossians. And uh, what we've discovered in this book, this book was a a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a a little church in a city called Colossae. And the Apostle Paul told these, uh, these Colossians, he says, you are good Christians. You people love God and you love others. I mean, you are hitting the commandments. You are doing what I've said you to do. But you need to go further in your faith and your, walk in, uh, and your journey in, in, in the walk of faith that, that you have been designed to be. And so Paul starts telling these people, this is how you need to increase your faith. This is how you need to get to another level in your faith. This is how, how you need to upgrade your faith. So in week one, we talked about how we need as Christians to start to produce all kinds of different fruit in our lives. Different kind of characteristics that come out that are called fruit in the Bible. We also discovered that we need to have patience and endurance. And we can't just expect things right away and now, now, now. But we must endure through things. We also discovered that we must uh, tell other people of our story and what God has done in our lives. And it is our duty as believers of Jesus Christ to tell others about what God has done in our life. We also discovered last week that many of us have baggage. And that baggage needs to be cut away. And so we looked last week at three different types of baggage. And the first kind of baggage was, um, was the baggage of fear of stepping out. Fear of, uh, of doing anything for God. And stepping out in faith and we need to cut that baggage away. Then we also saw that a second kind of baggage that just weighs us down is the baggage of our past. And how we need to cut that off. And and how our past can affect our tomorrow. And if we don't cut it off then we'll never have the future that God intended for, for us to have. Then we also saw last week finally that we some of us have a baggage of religion. We have a list of rules and do's and don'ts and things that are just holding us back from the freedom God has for us. And before we finish this series, I want us to look at one final area in order for us to show that what we need to do in order to upgrade our faith. And I call this area the finished product. The finished product. Here I have some examples of some finished products. How many of you, if you see these, how many of you remember these? Sony, well, it's a Sony Discman. I really tried to get a Sony Walkman, but uh, I couldn't find one. I wanted the big headphones, but I couldn't find any anymore. But I remember, I remember these. Actually, I was never like, rich enough to have one of these, and uh, so uh, I had the, like, the tape player. And I remember I used to do a paper round, and uh, I used to put uh, my batteries in, and I'd listen to music all the way around my paper round. And my paper, uh, uh, you know, I'd deliver papers. It'd take about 25 minutes. And by the time I started to the time I finished, my batteries had just died because this thing, like, consumed batteries so much. But back in, like, 90, well, this was, like, 92, I think, something like this, like, 1991, 92. But the Walkmans came out, I don't know, like, 84, something like that. Those things were like the, hot, the best technology you could think about. If you had a Sony Walkman, you were the man or you were the girl. If you had a Discman, boy, you were like from the right end of, the, from the right end of town. You know, I, I couldn't afford one of these. But when these came out, these were like the best things ever. But then as the 90s went on and we went into the 2000s, suddenly I got given a Christmas present one year. Best Christmas present I ever had. It was in 2003 that I got given this Christmas present. It was the latest piece of technology that you can think of. It was way better than the, 
the Walkman or the Discman. Way better than any like MS, uh, Microsoft DOS computers or anything like that. It was called a Hewitt and Packard iPack. And this thing I took with me everywhere. I was working in, uh, at the time when I got this, I was working in uh, medical recruitment. And I used to take this to all my meetings. I'd take my little pen out and it had a touch screen and I'd be playing with it. I'd have all my calendar, everything. And, and really, I kind of didn't use it to its full potential, but I took it everywhere so everyone would think I was like really cool and I had like the latest technology. And I pulled this out the other day, this week. And I, I, found it, I found it in a little, little basket. And I started playing with it. And I cannot believe how dated this thing is. It was 2003. It was the latest technology. And this Christmas, I, I am the last of the big spenders because I brought my wife something like the best Christmas present that she ever had because I'm just like that. And uh, I brought her an, I, an, I, uh, an iPad. And so these, this is a, a little uh, iPad from, uh, from Apple. And I started comparing this thing with this. Now, this is obviously much bigger. And, um, oh, Netflix. Sorry. Let me take that off. We don't want no movie starting. You can tell what my wife's been doing with it. But, um, so I compared this with this, and I compared the touch screen on this with the touch screen on this. I compared how fast this was to this, and there was no comparison. It's like this thing was built in, like, 1979 or something. But it was only seven years ago. But this thing has been upgraded so much that now this is this. And you know, Steve Jobs, who is the CEO of, of Apple, once in a while, he will come and make a big announcement. And when he makes a big announcement, everybody wakes up and everybody takes notice. Everybody in the technology world takes notice. And I remember when he said that they are coming out with what they call a, a touchscreen tablet. There was this big buzz going on. And as he came out... Steve Jobs didn't bring just maybe a screen and a few little bits and bobs. Steve Jobs didn't come out and show the, all the inside of, of, of what this iPad was all about. Steve Jobs didn't come out and, uh, and, and just show the programming behind it. Basically, he came on stage and he says, this is the iPad. This is the finished product. Because nobody cares about all the other stuff. No one cares about what's inside it. All that people cared about was what the finished product looked like. They didn't care about how many years it took to research, how many years it took to develop, how, how many years it took to, to, to come up with the idea. All they cared about was what the finished product was all about. And I'm kind of gutted. I mean, I got this at Christmas, and they've already got an iPad 2 out. So I'm not happy about that, because this is already dated already. But, my point is, is that so often in life, people are looking at you and all they want to see is the finished product. They're, they're not worried about what's going on inside. They're not worried about all, all the journey it took to get where you are now. People are looking at you and they want to see a finished product. And for the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to these Colossians and he said to them, basically, in Alex's terms, he said that, there are things in your life that you need to sort out and you need to do in order to become a finished product so this world can see the glory of God. You see, one day, in a few, I don't know whether it's a few years, whether it's hundreds of years or thousands of years, one day, Jesus is going to present you before the throne of God and He is going to present you as the finished product. He's going to present you as someone who is perfect, 
Someone who is, uh, uh, who is spotless. Someone who is blameless. Somebody who in the eyes of God is the finished product. And Jesus is going to present you as that finished product. But you know what? In order for him to do that, it's no easy task. Some of you know that you are not the finished product. I know I'm not the finished product. My wife tells me all the time, I'm not the finished product. And I'm sure a lot of you, you know you are not the finished product. But in the meantime, between being the finished product and now, there is a whole lot that has to be done in your life. And I believe that God is, is, is taking you through things and taking you through this life because He is molding you and shaping you into the finished product who He intends you to be. And some of you, you don't even want God to do it, but God's doing it regardless. You're like, okay, I can't take any more. I'm happy just to sit down and just be a, become a good old Christian. But Jesus is like, no, I'm going to make you into somebody who I can present before God one day as the finished product. And so the Apostle Paul told these Colossians, and he's basically in this book of Colossians, is saying, you as Christians need to go from here as just good old Christians to here. People who are going to make a difference in this life and also are going to make a difference in the next life as well. So this morning, before we close this book, I want us to, to look at two things that uh, I believe the Apostle Paul tells these Colossians to do. And the first one is found in Colossians chapter 3 and starting at verse 5. And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's read this. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. This is a, a bit of a long section of scripture, but let's, let's read it all and because it's got so much that, that we can learn from it. The Apostle Paul tells you the Colossians, he says, So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an, is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these, th- uh, these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But listen to this. He says, but now it is time to get rid of your anger. Get rid of your rage, your malice behavior, slander, and get rid of your dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. So you have taken off your old nature. And that's the nature before you ever found God, before you ever believed in God. But now, he says, now is the time to get rid of this. But instead, put on a new nature. Or put on new clothes and be, reminded, uh, be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and you become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and Christ lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves, and now this is the new skin, this is the new design that God is wanting you to have. He says, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's uh, faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 
And let the peace that, that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Then he says this, let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God our Father. The first thing I think that Paul tells us here, he says that you need a new design. You need a new design. When you were a sinful person, when you were somebody who was away from God and didn't know God, you had like this shell and this skin about you. And what Paul says that this, this skin was full of a sinful nature. It was doing things that weren't right, that God was not pleased with. But when you came to Jesus Christ and you believed in Jesus Christ, this is what happened. Christ came and he gave you a new set of clothes. He told you, take off the old clothes, take off the old way, the old nature, and put on these new clothes. And this shall be your new design. You know, if Steve Jobs, with, with his Apple computers, had come out and, and, and presented this incredible product, but it just looked really bad. And it didn't look good at all. And it was probably ugly to the eye. Not many people would buy it. But one thing I know about Apple computers is this. Is that when they design something, they don't just design what's on the inside, but they spend a lot of time designing what's on the outside. Because they want something to look good as well as perform good. And I believe that Christ is working in your life. And he is working in your heart. And he's, he's making things and doing things in your life on the inside. But he's not just working on the inside. I believe that Christ is also working on the outside. So that you as a design, you as a person, looks beautiful, looks incredible, looks almost perfect. And we're not talking about somebody who looks great, you know, like who should be in like GQ magazine or, you know, be in Vogue or something like that. We're talking about somebody whose characteristics and mannerisms is just so pleasing to other people. That other people stand up and take notice. You know, Jesus says this. He says this in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 16. He said, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new, path, uh, for the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old white skins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. You know, when you were created and you came to Jesus Christ, I believe that you became a new creation in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us that we are now a new person. And because we're a new person, we need to do away with the old person who we once were. But how the problem is, so many of us, even though that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, even though we're a new person in Jesus Christ, we try to fit this new person into our old self, our old person. We try to redefine some things and fit some things in, so that even though that we're now Christians and we love God, we still hold on to some of the things that was in our former life or our past life. 
But Jesus here says you can't do that. Because when you put new with the old, eventually the new tears away. And when you put new wine in old wineskins, before those wine bottles, there was like this skin and they put wine in it. If you put new wine, the old wineskin would burst and tear. And the problem is, for so many of us, is that we try to sneak Jesus into our old life, but that can't happen. We try to be sentimental and we try to think, well, I enjoyed this or I like this. But instead, Jesus is saying, no, you've got to put on a whole new nature, a whole new person. And when you do that, you will be a new creation. And when we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, we become somebody who is just, we would think would be amazing, would be an incredible person. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul told the church at a city called Corinth, he said this to them. He said, well, I'll start in verse 16. He said, whenever somebody turns to the Lord, or when someone believes in Jesus Christ, the veil is taken away. So there was like a veil over their face and over their bodies. When they come to Jesus Christ, it's taken away. And then he says, for the, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, so all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. This is what happens when you come to Jesus Christ. Is there is a mask, there is a veil that is removed. God gives you new clothes, a new design to wear. And He tells you, these are the things that you must do, you must love, you must be patient, you must be kind, you must be merciful. And then when that happens, suddenly you start to reflect the glory of God. You start to become more and more like God. You become more like the image of God. And as you do that, people will look at you and they will not see you, but they will see God. And when you come to Jesus Christ, you become somebody that other people look at. And they look at in such an incredible way and think, wow, that person is somebody who I want to be. We were talking today, just early on, about fathers. And I was saying, my father, I looked at him and one day I was like, that is the man I want to be. He wasn't the richest man in the world. He wasn't the slimmest man in the world. He wasn't, you know, even the most popular man in the world. But there was something about him that I wanted to become. And I know what that is. That he was somebody who put on a new nature and started reflecting the glory of God. And I wanted to become like him. And the Lord has put people in your lives. He's put friends. He's put neighbors. He's put, he, he's put family members in your life. And it is your duty to put on those new clothes and start to reflect the glory of God so that they can see God through you. They can see God through you. So the first thing here we see this morning is that Paul tells these people, get a new design. Do away with the old. Get a new design. And the, the, and the last thing that we're going to look at in, in the book of Colossians today is not just the design but the functions. One thing I like about the iPad is it's, it's really easy to, to move around. It's really, uh, what, it's got great usability. I think it's really easy to go from one thing to another. 
And have you noticed with computers, the more complex computers become, the easier they become to use. The more simple they become to use. Some of you are like, no, I can't even turn on a computer. But technology has become so complex, but yet, out of its complexity, it's become simple. And I believe that, uh, that we as individuals, we also have functions that we need to do in our lives as well. And Paul told these, uh, these, these believers about these functions. He said it's all very well having a great design. But if what's under the skin doesn't meet up to the standard of what the skin looks like, people are not going to take notice. And we see here that Paul deals with something in the very last part of this book of Colossians that some of us are not very good at. Some of us do not function very good at. And that is something we call relationships. Relationships. We won't go into detail of this today. We just don't have time. And we'll probably leave this for some other series down the road that we'll do. But the point I want you to go away with today is this. And we'll we'll take a look at uh, what Paul says. People who capture the true heart of God realize that life is not just about them. Life isn't just about them. In fact, I believe that people who capture the true heart of God realize that their purpose and design isn't just about them. But people who capture the true heart of God believe that life is about God and others. God and others. You know, when, when God created Adam, Adam had two duties. Take care of himself and also his work and take care of the garden and keep a relationship with God. Then one night Adam goes to sleep and he wakes up and somebody else is right beside him. He's got a little pain in the side of his, uh, of his ribs. And suddenly there's this beautiful woman called Eve. And overnight, Adam's responsibility now went from God and himself to God himself and others. Each of us are made as relational beings. And our responsibility is not just to ourselves, it's not just to God, but it's also to others as well. So let's take a look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 18. He says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, or in 21st century language, employees, obey your earthly masters or employers in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that, your ma- and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Masters or employers, be just and fair to your slaves or employees. Remember that you have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer and with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ 
That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Then he finishes with this. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So here, the Apostle Paul gives a list of different relationships in our lives. And he tells us how we should be in these relationships with each other. You know, each of us have relationships. And relationships, I think, can be defined by three things. People that we, or people or things that we have a connection with, that we have an association with, or that we are involved with. And each of you this morning, you're here at Generation Church. And because you're here, you now have an association with Generation Church, whether you're part of the church or not. Now we have a relationship. So, hi. But each of us, we have relationships. Whether we like those relationships or not, whether we get on with people or not, we have relationships with people. And I think the biggest problem over the last 2,000 years in the church of Jesus Christ has been this. We haven't been very good at relationships. And because we haven't been very good at relationships, this world has looked on the church in many, in many, many ways, and many, and many, many people have turned their back on the church of Jesus Christ because we have not been good at relationships. But somebody who is an upgraded disciple of Jesus Christ, someone who wants to take their, their faith further and further, needs to be good at relationships. In fact, in, in John chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus says this. He said this to the, to the disciples. He says, the world will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. Because of the way that you treat one another. Because of the way that you relate to one another. And so, very quickly as we close today, let's look at these relationships. The first one Paul says is, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. He's not saying, you know, get on your feet and kiss your husband's feet or anything like that. He's not saying, you know, do everything that your husband says. Basically, he's saying, believe in your husband. Look to your husband. Be with your husband. Be by his side. Trust your husband. Be there. Let him know that you believe in him. Let him know that you're going to be there beside him in all that he does. And there's times that you're not going to know what he's doing. There's going to be times that you don't even know if you can trust him. Like, there's times that you don't even know what God is doing. But Paul says, still submit to them. Still trust in him. Then he says, husbands. He says, love your wives and don't treat them harshly. So guys, don't go wearing wife beaters and things like that. But love your wives. In Ephesians, he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, that's a huge thing to do. And don't treat them harshly. Guys, love your wives. Even when there's times when you just really don't want to love them. Still love your wives and do not treat them harshly. They are a precious gift from God to you. He also says, children, obey your parents. And this book here isn't written to like five-year-olds. This book was written to, to adults. And he's saying to the adults, he's saying, you as children obey your parents. Not just a five-year-old obey your parents, but when you're 20 years old, or 25-year-olds, or 35-year-olds, or even 50-year-olds, obey your parents. Because this pleases the Lord. It doesn't just mean 
when you're in the house, obey them. But show obedience to your parents at whatever stage in life that you are at. Then he also says, fathers, don't aggravate your children. Don't expect too much of your children. You know, we, all you, you, you guys who've got sons, you know you want them to be the next NFL star. But don't push them that way. Because you'll probably just aggravate them and turn them away from you. Then he talks about friends. Paul says, says, pray for us. Pray for us as friends. And if you have friends, then you should be praying for those friends. You should be looking up to those friends. You should be helping your friends achieve everything that they should achieve in this life. Just as Paul told these Colossians, pray for us that we may be able to do what we have been called to do. We also see work relationships between employers and employees. And overall, this is basically what Paul is saying in all these relationships. He's saying relationships, intimate relationships between a husband and wife should be built on mutual respect and love. Family relationships should be built on bringing pleasure to God first and then bringing harmony and encouragement to each other. Work relationships should be built on respecting who God has placed over you. And also being fair and just and do right to those who you have a privilege to lead. Friends relationships should be built on prayer, strength and a desire to help those people achieve what God has intended them to be. And then the final relationship that Paul tells these people is a relationship between people who do not believe in Jesus Christ. And this is what he tells them to do. He said, seek God for wisdom. And make sure that your talk and your conversation is godly. So that then they will see Christ through you. It is when we put these practices, uh, these principles into practice. That not only that God richly blesses us in all that we do. But others will stand and watch from a distance. And they will see somebody who has something that they don't have. And they will desire it. And that something is Jesus Christ in their lives. Jesus gave this church his church, one task. And that was this. Go into all the world and proclaim my message. Go into all the world and proclaim my message. And here we are in our little corner of the world, a little half a county in Maryland, that God has given us. And now it is our responsibility to go out to our friends, our families, our neighbors, and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And when we put these principles that we have found in this book, in Colossians, into practice, when we start to upgrade our faith and take our faith to another level, then other people start to see Christ through us. And then we start to be able to proclaim the message of Christ, not just through what we talk, but how we live. And people will see Christ through us. Our upgrade that we, that we, that we need, and Paul tells these Colossians to do, they will show a difference in our lives and our friends will see a difference. Our neighbors will see a difference. Our work colleagues will see a difference. The people that we meet each and every day will be amazed at who we are becoming. And they themselves will start to see Christ through us. And when somebody sees Jesus Christ, there is no getting away that they want Jesus Christ in their lives. So today, as we close, I want to leave you with this. Matthew chapter 4. And verse 14. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 14. 
Jesus says this. He said, you are the light of the world. He's talking about us. Us as the church. Us as believers. People who are following Jesus. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, in the same way that a light lights a house, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You are just like a light in your community. You're like a light in your house. You're like a light in your place of work. You're like a light amongst your friends. And you have a choice. You can cover that light so that nobody sees it. Or you can uncover that light and let everybody see the light of Christ in you. And the Bible says, when they see the light of Christ, they themselves will praise their heavenly Father and they will worship God. And for so many of you, you have people who don't know the Lord in your lives and it hurts you. You may have family members who don't know the Lord. You may have friends who don't know the Lord, work colleagues who don't know the Lord. And you know for a fact that those people are on their way to a lost eternity. Those people are on on a track of destruction. And you want them so much to find God in their lives, so much to find Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And you're thinking, what can I do? Jesus says, shine your light. Shine your light. And a way that we can do this today is putting on a new design, getting the junk out of our lives and putting on a new design. It's also making sure that our relationships are right and we treat other people how God has intended us to treat them. Then this world will see that we're not just a church that is dysfunctional and can't relate to each other. But this world will see a church that is alive and is passionate. And it is something that they want to become part of. Because they know there is true life and there is true hope in the church of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.